Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns, and you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to be talking about spirituality today and what that word actually means because it's thrown around quite a bit with all manner of people calling themselves spiritual. But if you ask them what this word means, the definitions vary and are often vague. For some, it means to pray a lot. For others, it means to meditate a lot. For most, it means living a moral life, doing the right thing. For many, spirituality must fall under a certain religion. But what if spirituality is not something we do, or even something we believe, but something that does and believes us? What if spirituality is a process, much like the process of falling in love and building a healthy relationship? What if spirituality is an intimate relationship with the self as body, mind, and soul, an intimate relationship with others and all of nature, and an intimate relationship with the divine? How would that change things? We'll stay here today to find out. So let's first talk about this whole idea of intimacy. Let's let's look at that for a minute. What do we mean by intimacy? Well, intimacy is what we strive for in a healthy um, relationship between two people, two lovers, two partners. the The relationship is is meant to grow based in intimacy. In fact, what's being discovered is that. Those relationships that are intimate are the ones that can really last and and hold up over time, whereas those that lack that quality of intimacy crash and burn in some kind of way. So intimacy means I know you and you know me. I know you to the core of your being and you know me to the core of my being. And we know each other this way because we're willing to let that information out, give it out verbally through body language, through the way we act and behave in our everyday patterns. We're willing to be ourself with that other person so that that person can see us being who we are. And we're willing to assert that self when we need to. So we're, we're true to who we actually are in the relationship. And we are verbalizing as well as expressing in every other way who we are so that the other person gets to know us and they do the same for us. And there's a mutuality of support there as well, that both parties support each other's uh, authenticity so that both parties know that it's not only okay, but they're encouraged to be who they truly are authentically. So that's how we build intimacy into a relationship. Uh, And there is some work in it, but in a truly good, solid relationship, the work is more effortless than effortful. And we'll talk about that whole thing about effortlessness because that's very important. Um, but if spirituality is a process, then we have to look to our sacred texts a little bit to figure out what that means. Um, in the Christian text, in the root language, Jesus says a couple of things that are really inform us that there's an ongoing process happening inside of us that has to do with this thing called spirituality. Um one of the things he said was that uh, that he could not initiate his own behavior, that the Father, what he called the Father, which when we break down that word means source, the sor- <clears throat> excuse me, the source 
was the one who uh, initiated all of Jesus' activities. His thoughts, his emotions, his, his, his very essence was initiated by the divine. And um, he also said, defined the kingdom of heaven as, when we look at the root language, as an incessant eternal process. Not a place we go after we die, but an incessant eternal and internal process because he told us where the kingdom of heaven was located. It's located within us. So this is something that's ongoing within us. And, uh, and so that's a process that's actually happening all the time. Uh, and the, the Buddha talked about having a Buddha nature, which what he meant by that was that we, we sort of relieve ourselves. We let go of all of the attachments that we have to identities, to ways of living, to money, to time, to you know, all these things that we attach ourselves to and identify with and become who we actually are, which he would have described as the Buddha nature, which is that real deep essence that um, the Bhagavad Gita would call the divine self. Um, And that process of coming to know that Buddha nature, or as the Bhagavad Gita would call it, the divine self, is also defined in their text that talks about how we get there how that process begins to happen. Um, and uh, so we have um, religious information that tells us, or philosophical information that tells us that there is an ongoing process happening within us uh, that has to do with becoming more who we actually are. And um, when you get to the root language of, of, the, of the Bible and you look into the texts of these other uh, religions, what we see is that who we actually are is a divine being. We just have forgotten that. And the reason we've forgotten that is because we've been told for so long uh, and for so many centuries that we aren't that. We, and in the Western world, we've been taught that not only are we not divine beings, but to call ourselves divine beings would be blasphemy. And in the Western world also, we, uh, you know, we've been taught that we were born into original sin instead of being born into who, who we authentically are. But uh, what we see from these texts is that, in fact, we are born into we, who we actually are, and we lose touch with that because we get, uh, we introject the, the values and the beliefs of our family systems and our cultures and our societies and we begin to believe things that aren't really true. So, um, so spirituality then would be that process that gets us back to who we actually are. But it is a little bit like that process of falling in love because that process of falling in love is not something that we actually can make ourselves do, just like we can't make ourselves into this process. It's already happening for us all, all the time. All we need to do is become conscious of it. So when we become conscious of falling in love, it's like, oh, I've got all these tremendous feelings for this person. Uh, I must be in love. But before we became conscious of it, it was already stirring in our souls. It was already, we had already fallen in love, as we put it. It came from the unconscious and fell down on us. And so we became aware after that, that we, and depending on the person, it might have taken us 
a few days, anywhere from a day or to a few days to a, a year or two to figure out that, oh, yeah, I must really be in love with this person. Um, and then building that healthy relationship um, when when we really are committed to uh, that process, what we understand is that it unfolds within us. We just keep falling in love and falling in love and falling deeper and deeper in love with this person as we just be, be uh, are true to who we are. We just maintain being true to who we are and the relationship evolves as a result. So there's an effortlessness to it, although some people would say that there's a lot of work to building a healthy relationship as well. And I don't disagree with that. There is some work involved in that as well. But um, I, the, the consciousness of that work can come from a deep inner commitment that comes from a deeper spirit of love that we have for that other person. So, um, so when we're talking about spirituality being an intimate relationship with the self the, as the body, mind, and soul, an intimate relationship with others and all of nature, and an intimate relationship with the divine, what we're really talking about is a process of awakening that occurs as a result of uh, uh, us being alive. The process started before we were born, and it'll be going on after we we transition into another state of existence uh, beyond the flesh. And uh, so, you know, what this means is that we came here to participate in a process. We didn't come here to work and strive and push and shove and make it happen. We came here to participate in the process. Now, that's really hard to believe in the face of, of the world. You know, it's really hard to hold on to sometimes in the face of the world. It's really hard for us to look at uh, some, some disappointments, some troubles, some struggles, some traumas, some chaos, and say to ourselves, oh, well, that's just a part of the process. But in fact, it is. Because one of the things that Jesus also said, and uh, he clarified this really well in the root language, and perhaps uh, he clarified it really so well that we could have gotten it had the language not been misinterpreted, mistranslated by people who had already decided what it meant before they translated it. Um, but what what um, what he did there was define hell as well. And in the root language, hell is not a place we go to after we die. It's not a place of judgment. It's not a place of separation from the divine. It's not a place of punishment. It's none of those things. It's a place that we experience here on planet Earth that is a part of the process, which is the incessant, eternal, internal process that is Jesus called the kingdom of heaven, or its translators called the kingdom of heaven. And uh, it, me- it what it means to do is to to facilitate our awakening. Because we believe that we're separate from the divine, because we don't believe in this process that's ongoing forever within us, we, we, uh, we get ourselves in messes, and we suffer, and we struggle. And so the Buddha called our suffering as a result, a result of, deta- of attachment. We, because we are attached to things and identities and money and time and place and all that stuff, we suffer. And uh, I don't, I think that Jesus would have reiterated that. I think that what he was saying was that, you know, um, he, he even said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven 
but it is possible to do because uh, the source, divine source, can make it happen. Um, what what he was saying there is that we get so attached to these externals that we can't imagine that an internal would be a way to 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 feel peace and joy and and feel the life of life. Um, but uh, what he what what can happen with with hell is that we we uh, you know we throw out uh, awareness of who we are. And because we do, we we lose touch with, we split off from our divine essence and we become somebody else. And we live into that identity instead of the identity that is can identify as one with the divine. And because we do that, we're, uh, we're, we can create our own hell. And in that place, there are is gnashing of teeth and a great deal of suffering. Uh, but because we have that place, it also is is transforming us, and that's what we see in some of the parables that Jesus told, which I won't go into a lot of depth about that, but he's saying that uh, essentially that a transformation process is occurring as a result of the hell we create here on earth, and that transformation process puts us right back into the same process, that incessant, eternal, internal process uh, that means to evolve us into a full awareness of who we are as divine beings. So, um, if, the, if spirituality is that process, then our part in it is to surrender to that process. It's a little bit like getting into a river and trusting that the river will carry us to the sea. Um, it's not the same, however, as pushing that river. Uh, because, as we know, we can't make a river go faster because we push on it, because our hands will just go right down into the water instead of being able to actually push the, ro- the water. So um, w- so w- we don't want to try to push the river. What we want to do is surrender to it and trust the process. But trusting that process is extremely difficult for us because we look around us and we see the world in all of its phil- physicality, in all of its corruption, doing all the dirty stuff it does, and we say to ourselves, well, there is no, there is no hope. There is no uh, real process that's going on here. There's nothing really happening that's of meaning, that's uh, transformative in nature. None of that's really happening. What's really happening is all this corruption and all this bad stuff and all this, uh, all this um, suffering and chaos. Well... I can't deny that there's some suffering and chaos here on the planet, and uh, there's certainly a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of people currently very disappointed in the the Georgia race yesterday. Other people think that it's the best thing that ever happened, and so here we go. Um, uh, but the idea is that um, that if we surrender to the process, we we maintain awareness of our connection, our oneness with the divine. And that is the same as maintaining our relationship, our intimacy with a significant other. So um, so in a significant other, a relationship with a significant other, what we do is we, in order to grow the relationship, we keep, we keep being uh, enduring throughout the relationship an incessant willingness to... Uh, to be honest, to be true to who we are, to say the truth, to 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 go down to our deepest essence and speak 
and do from that place. And that is what builds a relationship when both parties do that. Of course, when one party does it and the other doesn't, there's a there's a uh, imbalance in the relationship, which will ultimately tell and it probably will end in some kind of a way. But when the relationship is one in which both parties surrender, then there's an openness to... Uh, to uh, that process that unfolds and continues to allow the couple to fall in love deeper and deeper in love and can, can transform the relationship into deeper and deeper levels of intimacy. So an intimate relationship with myself, um, that's going to look a lot like getting really to know myself. But the self is made up of various components. It's made up of the body, it's made up of the mind, and it's made up of the soul. Um, it's also made up of the heart. Uh, so there's there's your your body, there's your thoughts, there's your emotions, and there's your deepest spirit. Um, those are all things with which we must ha- become intimate if we are to establish true spirituality, according to this definition of spirituality. And we're going to talk about each one of the components of of this as we move through the show today, but I want to start with the body for just a few minutes uh, before we take a break. Uh, The intimacy with the body is allowing the body to speak to us. It's allowing the body to have its say in what we actually do, but mostly have its say in what we actually hear. So when the body is tired, are we listening Are we tuned into that? Are we taking that as a real message from the body to us? Or are we denying it and saying, oh, I'm not tired. I've got other things to do. I've got to do this and this and this. My boss needs this. My wife needs that. The kids need this. I need this. Uh, You know, or what are we doing with the body in terms of uh, uh, really hearing it? Because really hearing is a major aspect of intimacy. To really hear another person is to be intimate with that person, even if it's just for those few moments that you're really hearing them. That's intimacy. When you turn them off, when you stop listening, when you dismiss what they say, when you you, um, minimize what they've said, uh, invalidate what they've said, any of those things means that you have just stepped out of intimacy. It's not intimate anymore for that moment. Um, so so when the body speaks, are we listening? And what is it that the body is saying? Well, there's some mystery there that we'll be talking about in just a few minutes. But the body has a lot to say to us. The body can hurt. The body can be tired. The body can be hungry. The body can be lonely. The body can be uh, need to be touched and shown affection. The body can have all kinds of... Uh, of messages for us if we listen to them. And we're going to talk some more about those right after the break. So stay tuned for more right after this break. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to eradicate barriers that are holding you back in your relationships and your life. 
Let's start by embracing the concept of laughing loudly and loving deeply. Coincidentally, that's the name of a highly anticipated new show featuring host Dr. Faith Brown. She'll talk with life experts or life spurts in order to help you develop your own vision plan for better relationships and experiencing the ultimate enjoyment in life. Laughing Loudly, Loving Deeply with Dr. Faith can be heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What will show up in your card layouts today? Find out every week on Beyond Tarot and More with shamanic mystic Jana Jens. Find out the secrets to your beauty, success, happiness, and empowerment. Our guests share stories, answers, and receive card readings based on the information discussed every week. You're invited to participate as well and see what's in the cards for you. Beyond Tarot and More airs live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at AndreaMatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about a new definition of spirituality. But before we talk any further about that, I want to say something about the Super Soul Sunday that's coming back again with a series of new shows this Sunday, June 25th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Oprah Winfrey talks to Facebook COO and best-selling author Sheryl Sandberg about losing her husband, Dave Goldberg, in 2015 and how she learned to build strength during life's challenges. Sheryl shares with Oprah the steps she took to become more grateful and present after Dave's sudden passing and how her colleague and Facebook founder, CEO, Mark Zuckerberg helped her through this hard time. In Cheryl's recent book, Option B, she provides personal insights about facing adversity and finding joy, and they'll be talking about that on the show. Here's a clip from that show. And so often when somebody has gone through a great loss, we just don't know what to say. And so what happens is you end up saying nothing. You end up doing nothing because you don't want to remind the person of their grief. And yet you say something so, uh, it really struck me, like there's nothing anybody can say that's going to cause you to like, remember that you've lost your loved one. There's nothing anybody can say. It's always there. Correct. And it's always there for other people too. You can't remind me I lost Dave. You also can't remind someone that she has cancer or that his father just went to jail or that she lost a job. It's not possible. Big hardships, these challenges, they're always with us but we often don't say anything. And I understand this because I always did it. If someone in my life were going through something hard, usually the first time I saw them, I would say, I'm so sorry, very little. And then I would never bring it up again because I didn't want to remind them. And you would also say, how are you? How are you? How are you? I mean, how are you, ready? How are you? Not great. Not great. No one says that. Yes. And also, when you say not great, if you say not great, nobody knows what to do with that. They're like, oh, God, I knew I shouldn't have brought it up. You know, as though me asking the question or asking the question caused you to be not great. 
Yes, that sounds like an uh, interesting, exciting show. So you want to be there for that. Remember, it's this Sunday, June 25th at 11 a.m. Eastern and Pacific on OWN. And today we're talking about a new definition of spirituality in which we said that spirituality is an intimate relationship with self as body, mind, and soul, an intimate relationship with others and all of nature, and an intimate relationship with the divine. And we're going to talk about each one of those things now. We started off talking about the intimate relationship with the self as body. And what we want to know, what we want to say here is that the body is a living organism. It's not just a thing. Uh, it's been treated like a thing for centuries, but it's not a thing. It's a living organism, and it has a voice. And it doesn't just speak up through pain and tiredness and hunger and loneliness and all those other things we mentioned in the previous segment. It also speaks up to us through joy, through release, through a lack of tension, through the power of relaxation, through uh, uh, that deep connection we feel in our bodies to our own intuition, to, uh, to our own spirituality, to their relationship with the divine even. These are the ways that the soul is uh, the soul is always talking to us through the body. The self is always talking to us through the body. Uh, and we need to be listening, just as we would listen with rapt attention to a, a lover, because we're so much in love with that person, we want to hear everything that they have to say because we're interested in everything that they do. Um, and so that's the way we need to be listening to our bodies. But we don't often do that because we've been taught not to do that. We've been taught that the body's just a mule that we carry our souls around on. And we can kick it and beat it and yell at it and, you know, fuss at it and put heavier and heavier weight on it and do all those things to it. And it'll be all right because it's just a body. It's just a thing. Um, but we need to treat our bodies as if our bodies had a soul because they do. And uh, so that, that piece in establishing an intimate relationship with the body is, is one in which there's a constant listening, a constant uh, responding to, a constant conversation going on between the mind and the, and the, and the heart and the body so that, that there's not one that's cut off from the other. They're all in, in harmony with each other. They're all in sync. They may, and there may even be sometimes when the heart and mind and body disagree. But they, they can still converse. They can still, you know, uh, have a conversation about that just the same way that you could with a lover. You might have times when you might disagree with that partner, but you can still talk about it. If you're going to formulate a good, healthy relationship, you still should be able to talk about it. So an intimate relationship with the body is that kind of deep listening and that kind of response to the body that says, okay, I've heard you, and I'm going to respond to you uh, appropriately. So when the body says, for example, that it's tired, we need to say, oh, okay, I've heard you. I'm going to take you to bed now. I'm going to get you some rest. When the body's hungry, the same thing. I'm going to get you good, nutritious food that's going to feed you and nourish you. Um, the, when the body is, uh, needs to be touched, we get it the same thing. We go get touched. We go get hugs. And affection, even if we're not in a primary relationship with someone else where we could have sex, we still st- certainly still can have um, physical touch. We can have hugs and we can uh, exchange affection. So um, those are the things that we can do for the body uh, and with the body as the body. The mind also, we, when we have an intimate relationship with the self as mind, 
what we're doing is exploring the mind, allowing the mind to speak, allowing ourselves, our thoughts to be heard. We have a lot of thoughts that uh, come in and out of the mind all the time. That there, there's just this steady stream of thoughts that flow th- either through words or through images that um, is just constantly going on in our minds. How much of that are we aware of? Um, uh, you know, to ha- to what degree are we aware that we had a thought that said, I'm tired of being here on planet Earth. You know, this is a hard place to be. And, you know, we hear that thought and we go, oh, my God, I must be suicidal. Uh, you know, and we we want to make it stop. And that's not intimacy. Intimacy says, okay, well, tell me more about that. You know, um, and uh, a person who would say such a thing in their head is probably just world-weary, just a little tired of all the corruption and all the chaos and all the uh, rudeness and the murder and the, you know, greediness and all that stuff. Um, uh, so my, that person, that mind might then need to, be, to receive some solace from us. It might need to be carried to... Uh, a place for vacation. It might be need to be carried to a sacred spot for prayer and meditation. It might need to be to uh, be allowed to write, uh, allowed to paint, allowed to be creative, allowed to express what the what is in the mind. And when we have that kind of intimate relationship with the mind, what we're doing is saying, "Okay, you get to you get to be you. I'm going to let you be you." And you can tell me anything you want to tell me, and I'm here to listen, and I'm here to process that with you. Uh, but we know that underneath it all, there is an incessant and eternal and internal process that the, is, that the mind is a part of. There's an ongoing, constant transformation always taking place, and we can also surrender to that. And that's one of the things that we can do for the mind, is to surrender to that internal process that just says, um, you know, I'm going to let the divine source, whatever that is for me, however I envision that, I'm going to let that carry me um, and carry my mind and, and let the mind rest in that for a while. And what happens when we do that is that we come out with new ideas. Uh, there's a sort of download that happens that we get new ideas and the mind is refreshed and reinvigorated with new ideas. Um, we also can have an intimate relationship with the self as heart. Uh, we certainly can get to know and become very comfortably acquainted with and intimately involved with our emotions. Now, when I say that, there are people who are going to translate that as, oh, you're supposed to just be really self-absorbed and, you know, just be all about how you feel and forget about anybody else. And I don't know where we got this idea that if I think about myself, I have to exclude thinking about others. I don't that's kind of a an interesting concept that we have that we've developed over time that if I think of me, if I process me, if I allow me to be heard by me, then I'm somehow betraying other people. But what actually happens is that the more me I allow into that process, the more I am able to allow others into that process with me. And that creates intimacy with other people. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, you know, what we're saying here is that uh, that the heart has has its own expression, and it, it shows itself to us through emotions. 
And we can deny ourselves access to those emotions, but that would not be an intimate relationship. But there's a lot of people out there saying that if you feel negative emotions, you're not being very spiritual. And I want to stand here before you today and say that is absolute malarkey. (laughs) That is not the truth. If we have an intimate relationship with our emotions, whether you want to call them negative or positive, which I don't even use those terms, um, uh, that what what's happening is that we're becoming intimate with the self, which is a part of our spirituality, so that we we allow that emotion to express to us, and then we also give it comfort. We soothe it. We we allow it its full expression. So if I'm sad, for example, one of the hardest emotions for us to feel is sadness, the one we want to run from the most. If I'm sad, I can allow that sadness to express through me, kind of like the wave on an ocean, just come right on up and just do your thing. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to, you know, write, write. If you need to paint something or express it in some kind of way that demonstrates how you're really feeling, then go right ahead. I'm being here in the process with you. And when that, when we're, when we're done sort of expressing that, I'm going to get you a bubble bath. I'm going to take you for a walk or I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, do something that soothes you. Listen to some music, dance around in my living room, any of those things that have self-soothing potential. So what that means is that I allow my heart to be my heart. I don't try to get it to be something else or someone else. I don't try to get it to shut up and stop being so darned expressive. You know, stop causing me so much pain. Stop, you know, expressing yourself. I don't want to hear from you. We don't do that. All the while telling ourselves that we're good spiritual people, what we really do is allow that full expression, just like we would to a partner who we're in love with. And we could say, you've got some feelings that you want to talk about. I'm here to hit listen. I really want to listen. I really want to hear what you have to say and what you're feeling. I want to know you. That's what we do with our hearts. And uh, we do the same thing with our souls. So when the soul speaks, it usually speaks through deep desire. Uh, it it's, uh, has a longing for something. It, it has a, uh, a, a deep joy in something, a deep peace in something. So when we found a home that we love, we often feel this great sense of excitement and joy because it feels like us. It's like the home that we found matches who we are. And it, and it feels like joy inside of us. It feels like we finally found a place that matches us. Uh, that That's what we want to allow the soul. So when the soul has a longing for something, we want to go, oh, okay, you really do long for that. I'm going to get that for you. I'm going to get that for you. Because you really want it. So I'm going to work hard to get that for you. And that's what we can do with the soul. Like we would to a partner. Oh, you want to, uh, you know, you, you want to uh, have a particular supper tonight. Well, I'm gonna, I want to fix that for you. Uh, you know, I, you want to go to a special restaurant. Oh, I want to get that for you. Uh, that's the kind of loving thing we do in, a, in an intimate relationship with someone, uh, and we can do the same with our souls. So, so this process of of an intimate relationship with the self includes all, all four of those components, the body, the mind, the heart, and the soul. And then it also includes sort of integrating all four of those so that they're all working together in harmony so that none of them 
are operating uh, out there by themselves. Uh, you know, we don't want the heart feeling one thing and the mind, you know, doing something else. We don't want the body doing one thing and the heart and the mind feeling something else. We don't want them split off from each other. We want them to work together in some kind of harmony, the way that a good partnership works uh, when two people are really working as a team together to accomplish something. They, they, you know, they do that teamwork that makes one do one thing and the other does another, but they're working together toward a common goal. And that's exactly how it is with, uh, with our intimacy with the body, the self as body, self as mind, self as uh, soul, and self as heart. We also uh, establish in through spirituality an intimate relationship with others. Now, when Sheryl Sandberg was talking on that clip that you just heard with her discussion with Oprah, she was talking about one of the ways that we refuse to be intimate with another person. So someone is grieving, and we go up to them and we say, I'm sorry for your loss, and then we never bring it up again. We never want to talk about it because we're afraid we're going to remind them of the pain that they know all too well. <clears throat> So that's a way in which we're, we're refusing to open the doors of intimacy between ourselves and other people. Um, I, make a, I am committed to when I go to the grocery store, I, I want to look directly into people's eyes as I pass them and say hello. I'm committed to doing that because I think that's a way of establishing intimacy with someone without ever having to know them. Now, if they're just not going to look at me, that's fine. I'm not going to grab them and say, you have to look at me. <laughs> uh, I'll just pass them by if that's what they want. I'll give them that. But if, but I, I really do try to look people in the eye and speak to them when I pass them with the grocery store or on the street or wherever I am. Um, and uh, allow them to, um, to just begin to see that uh, there's a connection between us. There's a real valid connection between us where, where they are um, full of awareness. I give them that opportunity to be full of awareness of, of our connection, and I give myself that opportunity to be full of that same awareness of our connection. So that's just a, a minor practice that I do, but I'm conscious of doing it because I believe that uh, I need to be intimate with other people uh, because they are a part of the oneness that is that is true spirituality. Now, that that also means that I'm also one with people that I don't like very much, people that I don't trust very much. That doesn't mean that I have to go be with them and try to, you know, play nice and, and pretend that things are okay when they're not and get myself back involved in a toxic relationship. What it does mean is that I know them. You know, one of the things that, that, that we do typically in the Western world is we're so afraid of judging other people that we don't even bother to get to know them. We're so afraid that we're going to recognize, you know, uh, that, you know, we don't want to say, well, he's a bad person. Well, that would be a judgment, I agree. Uh, or he's just a jerk, and that's a judgment. I agree, but to say um, he he is manipulative, he um, is corrupt, um, he tells lies, he uh, he has stolen things from people, 
he has, uh, you know, hurt people in various ways. Uh, those, those are facts. And for us to deny those things because we're afraid of judging someone is to refuse to be intimate with that person. Knowing someone is what intimacy is all about. So if I know you to be who you present yourself to be, then that is a gift that I am giving you. I am holding up a mirror and I am saying, I see you. Do you see you? I'm saying that to you. And that is a way of being intimate to it with another person. So denial is not a part of, of, of an intimate relationship. We can't deny that uh, a person is um, who they are and yet um, expect to feel that intimacy with them. So it's really, really important for us to understand that, uh, that we have this ability to really connect with other people. And we're going to take a break right now, and we'll come back right after this. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What's your purpose on the planet? Are you ready to make jumps to pursue your passions? We often make excuses, but it commonly leads back to fear. Sharing our stories provides an opportunity to learn lessons and leverage pearls of wisdom that we gain on life's journey. We'll help you push through the fears that hold you back from empowering you to experience pure love and live your life's purpose. Tune in to the Beth Bell Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Have you always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living. With Andrea Matthews, we want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about the definition of spirituality as an intimate relationship with the self as body, mind, and soul, and heart, and an intimate relationship with others and all of nature, and an intimate relationship with the divine. The uh, Spirituality includes all of those as a sum total in a kind of uh, union that is caught, generally referred to as oneness. But I want to get really into the details of that because we don't really understand how to participate in oneness and we participate in it by having these intimate relationships with self others nature and the divine so 
we were talking about that intimate relationship with others. And what we were saying was, regardless of a person's behavior, we can know them. We can know them with our intuition. We can know them with our discernment, which is a kind of observation of what's going on outside of us, as well as simultaneously observing what's going on inside of us so that we can really see what's going on. Uh, We can understand who people are, and we can respond to that with the reality of who we are. And when we do that, that is the best intimacy we can have with that person. That doesn't mean that we go and reestablish, as I said, another toxic relationship with them and act all nice and say, okay, I forgive you so you can do it to me again. Rather, what we do is we know them. We say, okay, you've shown me who you are, and I'm going to respond to you accordingly. And that is intimacy. Okay? So... It's important for us to know that. And and that's the same thing that's true with nature. I love going to the beach. I love going to the ocean and just hanging out in all those negative ions. I love being there uh, with uh, that the power of the ocean. It feels like a mother to me. And so I love doing that. And uh, But I also am very much aware of the power of the ocean. And when that red flag's up, I'm not going to get in the ocean. Uh, because I know the ocean. I know what it can do. I've actually had an incident when I was a kid where uh, I got tumbled over by a wave and, you know, pushed down into the sand with my face first into the sand. And uh, so I know what it can do. I've also been in a situation where somebody that I was with who was on a raft was almost pulled out uh, further to sea because of the undertow. So I understand that that, the, the ocean is a very powerful um, amazing force, and we have to we have to honor it for who it and what it is. Uh, it's it, it. We can't pretend that it's not what it is. So while I enjoy playing in the water, and being on the beach, I'm also going to be very careful not to be stupid <laughs> about the ocean. Uh, and the same with weather. You know, we we. We have, uh, I love the weather. I, lo- I love to watch uh, the power of a hurricane when I see those things on TV. I love to watch that. Uh, the, the amazing force and power of a tornado is just profoundly amazing to me. Yet, I know that they're dangerous, and so I'm going to do what I need to do to protect myself and my family when the time comes to be out of harm's way. So, when, when, when we say that we're intimate with nature, what this means is we know nature, and nature knows us. We allow nature to know us by spending time in nature. The soul of nature is a very powerful uh, force um, that, that may even be divine. I think it is, but other people might disagree with that. But it has a powerful force to impact us. Just being out in nature sometimes can make us relax can make us, uh, can make us uh, uh, be able to see clearer, to have uh, more insight into what's going on around us, to to tap into our own inner nature that is wise. Nature can give us all of that because we're just we're, once we get out in nature and we're breathing in the oxygen and the we're maybe taking a hike or something like that, we're we're participating as one with nature in those moments and nature impacts us in that way and sort of downloads information to us about life uh, just by being present with nature. So that's a way of being intimate with nature. But it's also true that we're intimate with nature when we know the danger of standing in the way of a tornado or going out in the ocean when the undertow is too strong. 
Um, so it's really important to understand that intimacy doesn't mean that everything's all nicey-nicey. Intimacy means we know someone or something and we allow it to know us as well or that other person to know us as well. And so we've said that is true about the self as body, as mind, as heart, and as soul. It's true with other people and it's true with nature. We can be intimate with nature and allow nature to be intimate with us. So by allowing nature to be intimate with us, what I mean is we ask nature to speak to us. I remember a time when I was troubled about something and I went for a hike in some nearby woods where there's a couple of mountains that you can hike on. And um, and I was really troubled about whether or not I should go ahead and make a decision. And I so I... Um, I was trying to push myself into getting into that decision mode. Hurry up and make this decision. You've got to hurry. You've got to hurry. And uh, so I went for a hike in the woods, and I just asked. I was listening to the wind and the trees, and I I just asked the wind and the trees to sort of tell me, you know, what my next step was. And nothing happened for a while. I just hiked around, and that was what happened. And then one time I was standing there on the trail and I heard the wind coming from far off in the mountains and I heard it start way off and then come rolling down the mountain through the trees until it finally just blew in my face and blew my hair everywhere and um, so it was a really powerful wind and I said to myself well that's the answer to my question when the trees are standing still because the wind hasn't blown it's because it isn't time for the wind to blow yet and when they're moving, it's because it's time for the wind to blow. And that was my answer, which was, it's not time for you to make a decision yet. The wind has not blown. So I knew then that my answer was that I was not going to make a decision until I was comfortable with the decision. And that's when I would blow, when the, like the trees. So, uh, so that's what nature can give us as well. We can have that kind of intimate relationship with nature where we go and ask it for its wisdom and we listen for what it has to say to us. Um, so in, intimacy means that ability to commune with, with each other. Both parties can commune with the other. Um, and it also means that we know that other person and we know that other, like whatever it is, body, mind, heart, soul, other people or nature. And finally, intimacy is an, a relationship with the divine, an intimate relationship with the divine. Now, a lot of people would say that this means prayer. And certainly I think prayer is a part of it, but I don't think that's all of it. Because a lot of our prayer is just yammering, <laughs> talking away, trying to do the stuff we should do. You know, everybody tells uh, people how to pray. Well, you should pray for other people first and you should you know, praise your your image of the divine first, and you should, you know, you should pray this way and this way and this way first, and second and third, and then once you've prayed that way, then you can finally pray for yourself, and once you've prayed for yourself, then you can stop praying. You're finally through praying. Well, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work to me, I'll just tell you. Uh, I, I, I think that prayer comes from the heart. It comes from the body. It comes from the mind. It comes from the soul. Uh uh, there's a passage in one of the letters that was written by Paul or maybe Timothy or somebody that, in the Bible that talks about how the divine hears the, the grumblings or the rumblings of the heart 
you know, the wordless ache is what I think of when I think of that. The wordless ache. The divine hears that. And it's a message. Just like our bodies can speak to us, our bodies can speak to the divine. Just like our minds can speak to us, our minds can speak to the divine. Just like our hearts can speak to us, our hearts can speak to the divine. Just like our souls can speak to us, our souls can speak to the divine. So, uh, we, we don't have to put words to it, although we can, but we don't have to. There's a prayer that is just being with the divine, being present with the divine. That's just, I'm sitting here next to you, and I'm listening to you, and you're listening to me, and we're just sitting together, listening to each other. And you hear my body, and I hear your body. You hear my mind, and I hear your mind. And you hear my heart, and I hear your heart. And you hear my soul, and I hear your soul. That is intimacy with the divine. And we can have that all day, every day. We don't have to push at it and say, oh, I've got to create some time for my meditation. Let me hurry and get my meditation done. Because I said I'd meditate for 10 minutes. Now let me sit down and meditate now, and let's get this done. (laughs) We do that with prayer. We do that with meditation. And we say we're spiritual people because we meditate. And we, are, we pray. But spirituality is intimacy with the divine. And intimacy means I'm willing to be known inside out by you. And I'm willing to know you inside out. Uh, one of the passages in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible in the Jewish Tanakh is, uh, tells about how Moses got this really bright, shiny face from spending time in the presence of the divine. And I really like that analogy um, because what that really says is that we transform physically in response to being present with the divine. And I really think there's truth to that because if my body is communicating with the divine and the divine is communicating with my body, then uh, I'm not sitting in meditation going, gosh, I wish I could get up my back itches or I need to hurry up and move I'm tired of sitting here in this position no my body is saying I'm with the divine that might mean I walk to meditate it might mean I run to commune with the divine it might mean I dance to commune with the divine it might mean all kinds of things but what I'm really doing is I'm I'm intimately relating to the divine it also means that we can know the divine there is a mystery that can be known. <laughs> it may not be able to be expressed in words, but we can know it in our in our deepest essence. We can know it. We can know what it is to to what it is what the divine is. So, saying to ourselves that the divine is an unknown is a way of refusing to be intimate with the divine. Saying to ourselves that prayer and meditation are the ways, the only ways that we can access the divine is a refusal to be intimate with the divine. Um, there are many ways to be intimate with the divine, just like there are many ways to be intimate with our partners. People, I see couples all the time who think, tell me, I say, I ask them about the intimacy in their relationship, and they say, well, we haven't had sex in a month. <laughs> and I go, yeah, but I wasn't talking about sex. I was talking about intimacy. And they look at me like, what? <laughs> that's what we tend to do with, with our relationships. We tend to put everything in one little box, and that's how it is. Um, so sex is one way to be intimate in a relationship, but it's definitely not the only way. 
There's many, many, many ways of being intimate. And there's many times that people have sex with each other and they're not intimate with each other. They're just having sex, whether they're coupled or not. So uh, it's important for us to understand that intimacy means I can know you and you can know me. And that is intimacy. So when it comes to understanding who we are, uh, this relationship with the divine means we just sit with the divine or stand with the divine or walk with the divine and be present with the divine. Um, and we allow the divine to know us and we allow ourselves to know the divine. So a new definition of spirituality is an intimate relationship with self as body, mind, and soul and, and heart and an intimate relationship with others and all of nature and an intimate relationship with the divine. Anything short of that is not real spirituality Other, because we tend to... Uh, diminish or minimize what spirituality is I think we need to expand it to really connect with who we are so that's what I decided to do today to talk about today and that's the end of our show and we're going to be back again next week so remember your job should you choose to accept it is to give birth to yourself thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week. 